You know, as I was praying the other day, as I do, it's not a surprise, I know. But as I was praying the other day, I had a distinct uh, awareness that the eyes of God was watching us. And when the eyes of God watch you, it's because he's, he's paying attention to you. Because he's watching you to see what moves and how you will respond to what's coming. You know, God can, should be able to lead us by the look of his eyes. Think of your parents. They just look at you like that, don't they? A tilt of the head. The eyes look at you and you know straight away, uh-oh. Mum, dad's not impressed with me right now. And that, inst- that look arrests you. And it causes you to consider which way or what action you're about to take next. Does it not? And I felt that like God's eye was on us. And he's, he's watching us very carefully to, to as to how we will progress from what we're learning, from what we're receiving. Because if we make mistakes, now God's big, God's graceful, God's forgiving and merciful when we make mistakes. But stupidity, I said on Tuesday, God has not given amnesty on stupidity. We don't want to be stupid. We want to learn to be wise. So we don't want to do silly things. We're trying to hear God. We're trying to walk in God. We're trying to advance his kingdom. We believe his kingdom will come. His kingdom is coming. It's not, it's like Christmas, it will come. No, no, his kingdom's coming every day. We just heard last week how the kingdom came. It came so easy. By opening your mouth and sharing Christ. Why? Because the kingdom that was in Kath now became the kingdom that was in that lady. It was, trans, it was imparted by words. Hello? It's imparted by words. That's how we impart the kingdom into people, through words, through actions. Amen? That's why laying on of hands is, is a dimension of the kingdom. Speaking to people is a dimension of the kingdom. We must have this dimension in our lives. And I just sense that we are like a car in a race. We're coming out the pits, so the engine's on. We're out the pits. We're just about to enter the race itself as a church. So the engine's tuned, the driver's in place, the ready to for the momentum for a quick burst. And suddenly we go from a small speed. Have you ever seen Formula One? They're only allowed to do, I think it's 50 mile an hour in the pit lanes. Then 50 mile an hour straight away can go up to 180. Or whatever the top speed those cars do because they're limited them every year. But in the kingdom there's no limit. But we're in the 50 mile an hour zone right now, ready just to go full on. But at least we're on the track because the pit lane is still considered some aspect of the circuit. Yeah? So the mechanics have done its work. We're on. How long we can stay on the track is another thing. Hello? How long you can stay on track, keep focus, is another thing. Because a car, as it's going through its race, may have to... Uh, I don't want to get too technical for some of you who don't watch Formula One. You have a strategy in every race. Depending how far, uh, how, many, how many laps you're going to do, you'll do a certain fuel stop strategy. And most, stop, most circuits only do a two stop. There are those who do a three stop. But if you can get as far as you can on your tyres and on your fuel, that's the name of the game. Yeah? That's Formula One summed up for you there and then. So keep your car in good condition, keep focused, listen to the radio, headquarters, listen to what Evan's saying, and keep focused, amen? So we read last week from Daniel chapter 2, it said, I thank and praise you, O God, my Father, you have given me wisdom and power, you have made known to me what we asked of you, and you have made known to us the dream of the king. Daniel was, was, was seeking God on behalf of the king, Nebuchadnezzar, who could not understand what God had showed him in the middle of the night. He'd received a dream. So even the unsaved can receive dreams. Even the unsaved can receive dimensions of the spirit. Why? Because God's, God is the one who sows in the, in the night. When your engine powers down and you rest, 
God imparts his word, his visions, his dimensions of the kingdom can come into your spirit or someone else's spirit and then they've got questions, they've got dreams and then all of a sudden you come along, you start talking and you put explanation to what God has already been saying. So let's put it like this. If I'm knocking on the door doing street evangelism, which I've not done for many, many years, I think there's other ways of doing it. But let's just say I was doing door-to-door evangelism. What I need to know is I'm not the first person who's going to talk to them. God has already been speaking to them before I get there. If I'm doing cold calling, do you know what cold calling is, don't you? But if I've been praying and praying and praying and praying and I knock on a door, I'm believing that God's already spoke to them before I get here. So the words I start speaking will bring life. And understanding to someone. Why? Because God's already been there before me. But if you go cold calling, the chances are God hasn't been speaking. But if you've been praying, the chances are God has. And this king was getting mad because he'd had this dream. He trusted everyone. He'd asked everyone to interpret the dream for him. And no one could interpret the dream. But then all of a sudden, this young man, Daniel, he finds that God needs a Daniel in every street. In every family, there needs to be a Daniel. In every street, there needs to be a Daniel. In every factory, there needs to be a Daniel. Why? Because God's speaking. God's speaking to people. And this is what he said. I thank you, I praise you, O God, my Father. You've given me wisdom and power, and you've made known to me what we asked of you. You've made known to us the dream of the king. Wow. One day I want to talk, I want to go before our president, president, sorry, prime minister. I'd like to go through our cabinet ministers and I'd like to be able to to be used prophetically to speak what God's been speaking to them. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't it be nice to be just in in a, a hotel one night and you don't know who's in there and all of a sudden somebody walks through and you, and someone says, hey, there's, there's the prime minister or there's the president or there's the king of. Oh, there's Hollywood star. And you get that 20-second cross. Whether you're, in, in a, in a, you're inside an elevator. You've got 20 seconds to go for it. You can either ask for his autograph. Or you can share what God says. If God says, open your mouth now and say it, will you do it? Or will you be so starstruck that you put it on Facebook? Guess who I was in the lift with today? Yeah. Duh. It's not who you was in the lift with, it's who did you speak to today? Or who did you, who did you speak about? So while, some are, so while some are collecting autographs, others are speaking the kingdom. So Matthew 6.10 says, your kingdom come, your will, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom's coming. Your kingdom's coming every day, your kingdom's coming. Every day in this church, God's kingdom Wants to manifest through you. You know what? You're, you're an hard bunch to talk to at times. You know that. Every day, God's kingdom wants to come through you. God wants to make his appeal. And I can't believe he chose you. I know. But he did. So this is hopefully, this is the best it is. I'm sorry. We're the materials. So if God wants to make his appeal through you, the next job is that you've got to let him. You've got to let him. You've got to make yourself available. Amen? If we really pursue God's kingdom, God's kingdom will pursue us. I believe that. If we begin to pursue him seriously, he'll pursue us. He will pursue us. And the kingdom will come. And it will come in power. The will of the Father has to be made known to us so we can make the will of the Father known to others. The will of the Father has to be made known to us so we can make the will of the Father known to others. And God wants to make his will known to us. That's why Christ must be revealed. The more Christ can be revealed, the more of the will of the Father gets revealed to us. But guess what? God only reveals the will of the Father to those who are really interested to those who really pursue him. He's not really 
he's not going to share all the secrets of the kingdom to the interested only. It's the pursuer. It's the pursuer. And last week we, we read from 1 John. The, we, we looked at the, the we's, the ours, the us. And how when God's speaking, it might start with you, but it has to move to us. Yeah? It has to move from me into we and then through us. So as I'm receiving this message, I'm giving it to you so that we can come to the next level. So that the kingdom then can then begin to move and manifest through us. See that? So what David and uh, Kath received, it started with them, the me. They shared it with us. Well, sorry, they shared it well, with us, yes. Shared it with us. So that we can go out, be encouraged and say, well, if God can use Kath and God can answer David's prayer, why can't he, why can't he use and answer me in my prayer and my needs? Is that not fair? There's no point in giving a testimony if that's all they're doing. It's blowing smoke. You know, the thing is, they've taken aspects of this word. They've taken aspects of, David said, I've been picking up the word, God's provision, God's peace, God's protection for my life. If this is God's word, it has to work in my life. It has to work. So I now need some experience and I need an encounter with God so that I can stand and tell others that if you stand on God's word, it will happen. It might take a couple of months, but it will happen. And then all of a sudden, jobs came. Not job, jobs. Options came. Choices came. You went from famine to feast. Now, most people come up to you and say, Pastor, pray for me. and I, I, I need a job. I say, no. I'm not praying for you. Why? What, so you can be blessed and it can ruin your life? Let's, let's talk about what you want from your job and why you want your job. And let's see if it aligns to God first. Because I know when I pray, something's going to be released. So I'm not going to sow you into destruction. I prayed for too many people and they've been blessed. And they said it was God. But now they're so bound in the job, how can that be God? The devil seized upon your greed. You know, people don't want to hear that. But it's true. Christ must be revealed more and more and more. Both these testimonies this morning, I, want, I would encourage you to use these testimonies as a platform. God is working. God is answering prayer. But not only that, they're demonstrating what they're receiving. That's so important that we demonstrate that we're not only hearers, but we're doers. Because next week it could be you. Next week it should be you. Next week we should be lining up here and saying, I, I, I spoke to this woman this week. I spoke to this man this week. I prayed here this week. This is what it's all about. Life does not consist about you or every day. It can't be. There is others around you. Now, I know serving others, raising a family is about others. I know that. But there is an element here that you've got a mouth. Just open it. You can talk about the things that are affecting your life while you're talking with other mothers, other fathers, other workers, if you're courageous and if you've got the word of wisdom at the right time. You know, if you're always talking about Christ, you'll come across as a nutter. And guess what? You're not at work to do that. Let's be honest. Your, your uh, employer did not pay you to evangelize his company. But your heavenly father has called you to evangelize at the right time. And where appropriate. Amen. So can you imagine your boss says, right, get on with work. I'm sorry, I've got to pray. I've got to pray for this person. I've got to evangelize to him right now. Well, let me do some evangelizing to you. Pick up your bag and get out. Right? Yeah, don't come Monday. Because he didn't pay you to do that. <coughs> so Christ must be revealed, amen. Now here's the issue. There's a twofold responsibility on our lives. And it's this. We must individually, every one of us, find ways to make Christ known. 
every one of us in here must find ways, must find opportunities, must look for them. When you look for an opportunity, it's amazing how, how you find them. Opportunity knocks. Opportunity must have preparation first. So we must find ways of how to share what's happening in me and us to others. That's the first responsibility. Because if we don't, Christ doesn't reveal himself to us. It's true. We want him to reveal himself more and more to us so that we can reveal him more and more to others. That's it. As he reveals himself more and more to us, we reveal him more and more to others. So in 1 Peter 1.13, it says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you when Christ is revealed. So when Christ is revealed, there is something that is given. There is something that is imparted into your life whenever Christ keeps revealing himself. So whether it's encouragement, whether it's joy, whether it's wisdom, whether it's knowledge, whether it's insight, whether it's grace. Every time Christ comes to you in a new dimension, something is imparted into your life. How many would agree with that? Oh, I saw God today when I read the scriptures. Oh, it really made me feel. So something was imparted which made you feel. Oh, you know, I never realized it when I looked at the scripture like this. I never saw it like that before. So now wisdom and insight, knowledge and understanding has been revealed to you by Christ revealing himself. True? So you go and pray. Kath opened her mouth and prayed. She never realized that God could use her like that. She didn't realize how simple imparting the kingdom can be. Now notice, it was a woman who'd been in church how long? All her Life. Exactly, Veronica. Straight away, my mind says, you know, you worship what you don't know, Jesus said to the woman at the well. But we Jews worship what we do know. So there's millions and millions and millions of people locked into worship all around the world. But to gods and deities, they've never met. And this woman had gone to church, sang the songs, and in her mind, she's probably thinking, I'm already a Christian. I just believe that God will just put me in heaven, wishful. I don't have to serve him, don't have to live for him. But when it all, when it all goes, when it's at the end and I close my eyes, I'll just appear before him. Yeah, right. That's called Disney. But Kath got an experience of how God can lead her. So let's just say that should now give us some courage and faith to believe for the next encounter. The next encounter might not be as easy. The next encounter may get met with resistance. Because preaching the gospel is not all fun. As I'll show you in a minute. It's not all fun. But it's rewarding. Because the moment you sow a seed, their blood is no longer on your hands. But shame if you've got friends and never told them about Christ. One day they die and they say, what did you do with Jesus? Well, I don't know, I was never told. What? Jimmy went to church. Jimmy used to jump in church and tell us, oh, he loved me. But he never told you? No, he never told us. That's a shame. It's a shame to be in a family and never tell them. Well, Mike, you don't know my mum, but they don't know your Jesus. Your mum doesn't know your Jesus. That's the key. Find a way. Pray about the way. Expect God to create a way for you, an opportunity. Sometimes the room might just go silent and you hear all of heaven saying, now, now, say it now. What, what will I do? Say it and find out. It's called faith. And you know what it will do? And, and Kath brilliantly said it. I don't know if she realized she said it. I had to realize, is this, what, is this how do you lead someone to Christ? It's going to expose you as much as expose them. 
Well, I've ne- how do you lead? I need 15 steps. No, you don't. You don't need 15 steps. Lady, would you like to know Jesus? Okay. Confession is very important. Absolutely. Just start with a confession. I open my heart, Lord. I, I confess I'm a sinner. Let's start there. I confess I don't know you. I want to know you. Come into my life. Change my life. Right. Let's start there. Right. Well, you don't have to be a Christian to go to church. No, you're absolutely right. That woman proved that. But you need to go to church if you want to grow as a Christian. That's key. So set your minds on for action. The kingdom's about action. It also, it says, be self-controlled. In other words, don't be a radical fundamentalist. Don't be a nutter. True? Think I'm going to take up my cross. To some people, a cross means a weapon. The cross is not a weapon. Don't hit people with the weapon. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully. That's the focus. On the grace to be given when Christ Jesus is revealed. That's our... Now listen to what the uh, New American Standard Version says. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. At the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we said this year is about revelation. I'm taking communion this morning. I said, Lord, i got to confess, I need a whole new revelation on this table. It's not enough for me just to take bread and wine. I don't want to get involved in symbology. I don't want my communion to be about symbology. I want it to become about reality. I want a revelation of the Christ. I want the revelation of his cross. I want the revelation of his suffering. Because I know when he's suffering, his resurrection power. That's what I need to set my hope on. That's what I need to set my mind on. That's what I need to set my thoughts on. Amen? I don't want the table ever to become symbology. I don't want it to become an inconvenience in our meeting. Jenny says to me today, is it all right we have communion? I said, Jenny, never ask me if I want communion. Just do it. Why? It's our joy to take communion. It's not our ritual. It's not our religion. It's not our tradition. Some people wheel it out every now and then. Well, we've got to do it. What do you mean we've got to do it? No, we should want to do it. He said, whenever you meet together. Now, sometimes we we draw back because we don't want people to become frivolous with it. Because this is serious. Do you realize in the New Testament, people was going home. They were dying. Why? Because they were taking this table in the wrong way. They were feasting and then they were fighting. This should never, ever become an issue in the church. This is meant to be something powerful. But how is it kept powerful? Not by tradition, but by revelation. Tradition will not keep the table powerful in your life. You know and all that? You can visit millions of churches and the people who are taking it feel as dead as that bread. In fact, the bread's got more life than the, the people who are taking it. But we must make this about revelation. The moment I'm taking that bread, oh, my eyes are focused on him. The moment I'm drinking, I'm going, oh, God, I see you in a fresh way again. Thank you. And it brings the sobriety back into my life. Keep sober, he's saying. My mind needs to be sober all the time. It's not talking about alcohol now. It's talking about clarity. That's what revelation does. It keeps you sober. It keeps you upright. It keeps you clear and focused. That's why we must have revelation in the church. This is why the eyes of God are watching us. To see whether we will pursue and guard the right things. Because the danger is, the moment the church grows, you now begin to accommodate a lot of things for the growth. You cannot accommodate the wrong things. You do make a lot of accommodations for growth. You have to, to some degree, practically, but not spiritually. So we grow and we say, well, let's not have communion now because it's harder to serve 300 people. No, we'll have communion. 
We'll find a way. What we might do is have a morning and afternoon service, but we're having communion. Well, that's not, we can't have freedom in the spirit. We can't have people taking the microphone. No, we'll do it. We'll find a way to do it. I know it'd be hard. I know there's always kind of people who can be freaky on a microphone, but we'll find a way. We'll find a way. Why? Because this is the protocol. Amen? You've got to find ways. This is how you find ways by the grace. You push into the grace. So if the grace given through Christ comes to us as a congregation, this is the grace that you must capture. I said this on Wednesday. This is the grace that you must capture. If this kingdom's coming, you must capture the grace that's behind it. There's a grace for every one of us to step into this. Some see the kingdom from afar. Some step into it, but they never inherit it. We want to go all the way to inheritance. Amen? It takes a grace. There's a grace given to us for, the work, for our work, for our task, for our assignment that God's given to us as a body. I want to say a body, it's individually. And then there's one corporately. You must establish this grace in your life so that we work collectively together for the same thing. So like it starts with Kath and a Chris and then it moves over to a Carol, to a Phil, to a Jenny. And then before you know it, the whole church is evangelizing. You watch this church grow. Just by you evangelizing, it will grow. It will grow. You'll, you'll be lining up. Oh, I laid hands on this person. This person was cured of cancer. I laid hands on this person. And this person was healed from rheumatoid, uh, rheumatoid, what do they call it? rheumatoid arthritis. And then lymphoma and all kinds of diseases. Before you know it, you've got a whole train of testimonies every Sunday. All because you did what Kath did. There's a grace to be given when Christ is revealed. You must pursue this grace. You must pursue it. So there's establish, there's capture, there's, sorry, pursue, capture, and establish. And in Acts 2.42, it said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done. By the apostles. Now the early disciples pursued the grace and two things happened. When they pursued the grace, two things happened. Number one, Christ revealed himself to them. When they pursued the grace, when they pursued the grace, they captured the grace and they began to establish it, Christ revealed himself to them. Amen? Guess How do I know that? Because they were filled with awe. They were filled with awe. They were filled. So Christ revealed and filled them. Secondly, they then began revealing Christ to others. So what they'd received, then began to do an internal job on them and then push them out towards others. Only in the church do we receive everything and keep it to ourselves. How sad is that? So Matthew 10, 33, I know you're going to like this scripture. So it's going to bring me joy to read it to you. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. That's a strong scripture. Whoever denies me. So let's give you an example. Phil wakes up, he's stood in the queue, and he hears the Spirit saying, speak to that woman. Speak to that woman for me today. What do I say, Lord? Just tell her, just inquire how she's doing. Stand up, start a normal, general conversation. Oh, nice to see you. How are you doing? Yeah, just, just play for a minute. Or he might give him a specific word of what to say to her. Phil's now caught in that dilemma. Do her, don't her. Do you, Lord, you know I'm busy. Do you know Angie's waiting in the car? True? All the things that would distract us and give us uh, reasons not to do what God's saying. So then, oh, Angie's sat in the car. She's not waiting for you. She's on Facebook, <laughs> taking pictures of daft women dancing on a, on a wall. And so Phil's having this internal conversation, shall I shanta, shall I shanta, shall I shanta, shall I, and it finishes, shan't I. So he walks out, didn't do it. What did he just do? 
He denied the Holy Spirit the opportunity to speak to a woman. Do you realize God lined that up? From the creation of the world, God lined that conversation up, fulfilled to speak to that woman. That may have been God's opportunity for that woman to be saved. When you see things like that, you think, oh my God, does that mean she's never going to be saved again? How do I know? How do I know? The point is, I had this experience myself in Piccadilly one day. The guy was sat there on the floor, and I should have bought him a pasty sandwich. And I walked past him, and I thought, I've walked past beggars so many times in the day. What makes this one different? And the Holy Spirit came on me. Oh, my Lord. I turned around. I ran down the street. He'd gone. For all I know, that could have been an angel. Doesn't matter whether it's an angel or not. The fact is, I felt the brevity, the weight of me disobeying God. And then, oh, God, don't do it, don't do it, don't let him die, Lord, don't let him die, Lord. He said, no, you need to die before he needs to die. Die to yourself. When I say pasty, I say pasty. When I say sandwich, I mean sandwich. Go in and buy it. Give it to him. That's all you have to do. How hard was that? He didn't even say speak to him. He just said, give him a pasty. But I didn't do it. So every time I go in, Greg's, every time I walk past Greg's down, I've got to have a pasty. <laughs> it's my excuse. Do you realize the conviction of the Lord is keeping Greg's in business? So if you ever see me with a pasty, I'm looking for someone. Okay? But he didn't, yeah, and crisp. Oh, I'm not giving me crisp away. God doesn't give crisp away. He gives them to me. But whoever denies me before men, I'll also deny him before my father. We don't want God. We don't want to be denied. If we deny Christ before friends, neighbors, work colleagues, Christ denies me before my heavenly father. Which is quite ironic if this is the year of revelation and God is revealing himself. I don't want to be in that contention. I don't have that contention in my spirit of me wanting Christ to reveal himself, but I won't reveal Christ to others. You can't receive. See, once you come under this message, then expectations begin to rise. Some of you are realizing why you can't see and hear and feel what others see, hear and feel. It's maybe because you're denying. You're denying access. God access to your life so that it can flow through other people. So when you're praying and you're thinking, why is it the heavens are brass? Just maybe you've been denying Christ access to your life. You want, you know, if I'm feeling good, if the situation's perfect, then I'll do it. No, no. That's not a servant. That's someone who's, who only wants to be used when it suits them. I want Christ to reveal, I want the Father to reveal dimensions of his Son in my life. So then I can go and reveal dimensions of the Son to other people's life. Amen? But we know that the kingdom comes with a price. It comes with opposition, it comes with force, it comes with, you know, contention. And in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 4, listen to the attitude of what's going on of the man who's witnessing and the king. I love this story. In 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 4, so he said to Jehoshaphat, it's quite a long one, so just bear with me, will you go with me to fight against Ramagilad? Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people are your people, my horses as your horses. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, first, let's seek counsel of the Lord. So the king of Israel brought together the prophets, about 400 men, and asked them. So they've got 400 prophets here. You'd think you'd be able to get an answer out of 400 prophets, okay? Shall I go to war, is the question. Shall I go to war? Or shall I refrain? Now, was that hard or was that simple? So we've got to ask God, shall I go or shall I refrain? Go, they answered, for the Lord will give it into your hands. So what did the prophet say? Go. You've got the green light. So most of us are going to do what? Go. All right. That's because most of us haven't got discernment. Watch. For the Lord will give it into your hands. So we've not only got the green light, we've got a promise. But Jehoshaphat said, no, no, is there another prophet of the Lord whom we can inquire of? So 
400 is not enough, let's find another. Okay. The king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat, there is still one through whom we can require, inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. Because he never prophesies anything good about me. But always bad. He is called Micaiah, son of Imlah. The king should not say that, Jehoshaphat replied. So the king of Israel called one of the officials and said, look, bring Micaiah, son of Imlah, here at once. Dressed in their royal robes, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor by the entrance of the gate of Samaria with all the prophets prophesying before them. So here they all are. They're all going at it. 400 prophets are prophesying, go, the Lord will give it to you. Okay? This is charismatic nonsense. Right here. Now Zedekiah, son of Keniah, had made an iron, had made iron horns, and he declared, "This is what the Lord says: With these, you will go the Armenians until they are destroyed." So, out of the four hundred, there's now another numpty now beginning to prophesy. Amen. All the prophets were prophesying the same thing. Attack Ramah, Gilead, and, vict- and be victorious. They said, "For the Lord will give it the king. Sorry, will give it into the king's hands." The messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, Look, as one man, the other prophets are predicting success for the king. Let your words agree with theirs. In other words, we'll pay you a lot to keep in line with the king's words. So please, the king, look, just keep it simple. There's a backhander. Just say what everybody else is saying. Okay? No. <laughs> Can you imagine, this still goes on today. Just say what everybody else is saying. That's how everyone will know you're a prophet, if you're saying what everyone else is saying. Oh, so when he arrives, you know, let's pick it up again. For the Lord will give it into your hands. The king said to him, how many times must I make you sweat? So, sorry, verse 13. When he arrived, the king asked him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth, Gilead, or shall I refrain? Attack and be victorious. He answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. Just stop there. Has he just said what everyone else is saying? You'll find out the reason why. The king said to him, how many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? The king's got a bit of discernment here. He knows he never prophesies anything good to him. So he's saying, I know you're telling me what I want to hear. But there's something inside you, son that I know it's not going to be good news. Why? Because I've seen your track record. You never prophesy anything good to me. Then Micaiah answered him, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, These people have no master. Let each one go home in peace. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Didn't I tell you that he never prophesies anything good to me? Only bad. <laughs> Micaiah continued, it's almost like, shut up, don't say any more. But he continues, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne with all his host of heaven, standing around him on, on the right and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Hayab into attacking Ramoth Gilead of go, uh, and going to his death there? One suggested this, another that. Finally, a spirit came forward, stood before the Lord and said, I'll entice him. But what does that mean? The Lord asked. I'll go out and I'll be a lying spirit in the mouths of all the prophets, he said. The Lord said, you will succeed in enticing him, said the Lord. Go and do it. Wow, this is powerful. So now the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouths of all the prophets of yours. The Lord has decreed disaster for you. It's not always a nice thing to stand up and tell someone they're going to hell. Is that a prophecy? It is, it's true. You prophesy the dangers of hell, the reality of hell. It's wrong to say you're going to hell without giving them an opportunity of coming to heaven. Yeah? This is why I get a little bit frustrated with the guy with his placard telling everybody 
they're going to hell. I want to take the placard off him and give him a good smack and say, why don't you preach Christ? Why don't you tell him about the love rather than the fury of hell? Let him see the love of Christ, not just the judgment of Christ. The man or the people who do that have only got one approach. You're all going to hell. They expect someone to turn around and say, no, 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 show us how to go to heaven. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. That's not the right way, is it? You know, that's going to that's wind me up more than anything else. So here we see that as you read the story, and he's, he stood there before the king, somebody comes alongside him and smacks him right in the face. He says, and what he's basically saying is, you can say all this, but you didn't know and you didn't see where that hand was coming from. And he smacks him right across the face and says, it's like the wind, my hand, you didn't know where it was coming. So then Micaiah turns around to him and says, yeah, just like you're not going to see it coming when you're in your room on your own and you're going to be backed into a corner, you're gone. So he prophesies that even you're going to die. The guy thought he was being smart. But when you begin to prophesy like this or evangelize, you must be aware that there's a kingdom of opposition. It's great when we can lead someone to Christ. It's beautiful. That's the joy that goes before us. That's what encourages us to keep on doing it. But every now and then, there's going to be a nutter waiting out there. But that'll be the reason why many of you won't do it. Because you're frightened of reproach. You're frightened of scorn. But that's when he says, consider it joy. Because they persecuted me first. And this is when Paul opens up the whole teaching of suffering for Christ and identifying with Christ through suffering. Many of us can't identify with Christ because we've never suffered for him. It's wrong of me to tell you, just preach the kingdom without telling you suffering is involved. Because when you start getting a smack in the face and you come to me and say, you didn't tell me about that. I've told you. Duck. Learn to swerve. Learn when to hold back and when to move forward. Yeah? Learn some boxing. But you're going to have to because this kingdom is not always received with joy. But if you deny me, I know you don't want to hear that. Yeah? So what will it take for you to begin to make in the dream of the king known? Well, Kath already quite elegantly said it this morning. It's going to take some courage. It's going to take some boldness. You see, many of you will come tonight and you'll pray and you'll pray and you'll pray and you'll believe that God wants to reveal himself and you believe that there's going to be revival. You believe there's going to be refreshing. But guess what? You're the workforce. If we don't, listen, if all we have to do is pray, then we can stay at home. We'll just do it by email. If you take the challenge to step into the kingdom, then God will give it to you. Hello? If you've stepped in, stay with God. If you've stepped in, stay with God. Go all the way. Get your car on the track. Don't be in the garage. Letting someone tune up your engine. Why? Because you're never going to go and race. So we stay in the, ch- we stay in the, in the church Letting the pastor tune our engine. Why? But you're never going to take the car on the track. That thing was made for a bit of stress. Come on. The car was made and designed for some stress, for some impact, for some G-force. The car was made for some exhilaration and some acceleration. Amen? The car was made for all kinds of things. The car's made for impact. Very few drivers get killed today because the materials that they make these cars out is phenomenal. Seeing the car, they bounce all around. And they still get out and go, hey! So take the challenge to step into the kingdom. Take the challenge. 
So let me just show you about this force, because I know you're going to like this. Daniel 7, verse 21. Those who possess the kingdom must continue to fight for the kingdom because there are greater battles still yet to be fought. Say that again. Those who possess the kingdom must continue to fight for the kingdom because there are greater battles still yet to be fought. How many of you agree with that? They are. Daniel 7 highlights, as I watched, Daniel 7, 21, as I watched the horns was doing what? Waging war against the saints. As I watched this horn, it was waging war against the saints. Listen, and it was defeating them. Wow. Until, wow, until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the saints of the Most High. And at that time, and the time came when they possessed the kingdom. The kingdom must be possessed. It's entered. It must be laid hold of inside of us. There must be something that will not let this thing go. Because if it's, if it's open to negotiation and compromise, you've never laid hold of it. I'm not going to let my wife go. You know, the longer you're married, if you're in love, that is, you'll fight to keep hold of what you love. You'll fight to keep hold of what's entered inside of you. True? You won't let your kids go easy. You'll fight for your kids. Why? Because love is there. So where there's love, there's always a fight to keep hold of it. That's why we cry when we lose loved ones. Because the heart never wants to let go. That's why God doesn't give us the time, the date when one of us is going to pass into eternity. Because he knows we would never let go. The heart does not let go. It would keep someone in a box if it could. And that's what's so painful about death. The heart is never designed to let go of love. But God knows. That's why he'll fight for you. That's why he did fight for you. That's why he gave everything for you. Why? Because you're in his heart. I wish I could get a revelation of that depth. That will do anything for me. That's what I need. Because when I see that love, when I see that revelation... All, you know the only response I've got? I should just humble myself. Yeah. I'm just humble. God, I, I just, how much you love me. And you see, like any other relationship, you've got to keep putting effort into, into the relationship to keep sparking, to keep telling yourself, this is the woman, this is the man I love, this is the one I, I gave my vows to. It's not easy, is it, when you're in the same relationship? You just learn to live with one another. But as we get older, we've got, we've got to learn to keep loving one another and living and loving together. It's not enough just to come home every night expecting they're going to be there. So as I watched this horn, it was waging war against the saints. The two kingdoms are fighting. The, the match is full on. So Papa Jonathan David, uh, Jonathan David sent a prophetic dream he had this year to many of us uh, pastors in the network and I just want to read a little bit of it because it talks about this kingdom battle that's on you see when God announces from the heavens thy kingdom come he knows something that you and I don't he knows that the times are getting short and everything's got to come together to its fulfillment the movie's got to come to an end okay so here he is saying thy kingdom's coming it's a prophetic word or we could say a preceding word that's coming to us in this time because God is getting ready to bring all things together for the completion, the consummation of the ages. And this dream that Papa Jonathan had, it said in 2015, I had a dream that showed me the intensity of the battle, the battles coming. So this is a prophet seeing the future. I see raging fires sent from satanic forces to burn down our territories and take us out of our inheritance. So it's, so it's, it's, um, what's the word? its purpose is very clear. It's coming to attack us to try and remove you out of your inheritance. It's going to come into your territory 
and my territory. It's coming whether we like it or not. Because the Bible says, take courage because in this world you'll have many troubles. Okay? Before Jonathan David prophesied it, Jesus said it. So we know it's coming. Battles that rage in fires with human demonic forces to enforce the evacuation of the saints from their inheritance. And I was, I was standing as a lion. He's seen this in his dream. I was standing on my territory and in my inheritance that God had given to me. And the fires could not come into my territory or my boundaries. Why? Because they were clearly marked. That's what you've got to do and I've got to do. You've got to clearly mark your boundaries so that you know what you're fighting for. This is the line, you can't cross it, Satan. He's saying, this is the line, if you cross it, you're mine. Jesus said, I told you, if you cross it, you're his. But if you stay over here, he can't come over here. So they both know the rules. Trouble is, you and I don't always work by those rules. So the line of Judah was roaring with, with me. So he's at the side of him. So the kingdom of heaven is with, in this dream, Jonathan David. He's prophesying, he's seen it. The sound of his voice was louder than the crackling of the flames. Those who were displaced from their inheritance because of the fires and enforcing hunters were running and coming into safety of our territory. So as you begin to keep Christ, making Christ revealed, they will run into your territory. See this. People want to escape the flames of hell. Once you tell them. Yeah? Though I was wounded in the intensity of the battle, so he's got a flesh wound going on here, the sound of my voice, like the roaring lion of Judah, was crystal clear, helping, guiding the people into the direction of safety. It's your voice. Keep speaking, keep living the kingdom, keep declaring the kingdom, keep making Christ known and revealed is what brings others into safety. Your voice. Because when you speak, his voice comes alongside and the Lion of Judah begins to roar through you. Can you see this? He partners with us. But he was wounded. So he took some conflicts himself. And anybody knows Jonathan David, boy, has that man taken some wounds. Though I was wounded in the intensity of the battle, the sound of my voice, like the roaring line of Judah, was crystal clear, helping guiding the people into the direction of safety. All those who were covenanted and connected were behind me in the safety. Now we're talking about our, our network now. God has promised me that he will bring us into a safe place and will keep us under the shadow of his presence for no weapon formed against us shall prosper. The intensity of the dream left the mark of urgency in my heart. Of course it does. That I must preserve the territory and legacy of our inheritance because what God has given us must be shared, multiplied and distributed. That's the same mandate on this house. What God has given us must be shared, multiplied, and distributed. That's your job, church. In hindsight, I realized I could not save and protect everyone. Reality. Because we're not the savior. Everyone, sorry, could not protect everyone. And this crushed me with deep sorrow. I knew that I had to keep roaring and roaring so that even when they cannot see my face, they can hear the voice to escape to victory. Wow. Tonight, we're, tonight, our nation's going to hear our voice. It's not going to see us. It's good, but it's going to hear the roar of our voice. We can, we can affect and shape a nation in stealth mode. You can. We can, hold, we can hold a territory just by our prayer. But we advance our territory by our proclamation. By going to the old lady. The young lady, the old man, the young man. Just by going to people, we advance what we've proclaimed in here. Don't, we can't just be a church of proclamation. We've got to be a church that begins to share what we're proclaiming in here. You know, right now around the world, we've really got to start paying attention to the persecuted church. 
the church that's being persecuted for not having what you've got, but doing more with what you've got. This is God's going to make us really accountable for this. There are churches with nothing, and yet they're advancing like Billy O. You don't know who Billy O is? Advancing like crazy. They've got very little underground churches. It's time for the underground church to come above the ground. You see, we're the underground church. The, ground, the church that's underground is doing more underground than the church that's above. Something's wrong. It's time for China, the church underneath, to come out. They've got so much momentum underneath the ground now, they need to take it out and just let this thing go crazy. Now he's saying, it's all right, Pastor, you saying that you don't live in China. I still, need, I still know what needs to be done. I might, not like the, I might not like the idea that shoving your head. You know, warfare, when you're in the trenches, at some point you have to get out and take a bullet. I used to think that was crazy. You know as soon as you get out there, boom, you're going to be shot. Let's design another way here. <laughs> Let's throw stones. And then he says this. I implore you by the mercies of God to lay hold of what you have received. I implore you to nurture it and multiply it. Push through until you come to believe and live in what you believe. Thousands of lives are going to be changed by what you have received and what you carry. Let the frequencies of heaven and the message of the kingdom resonate within your hearts. Articulate this heavenly utterance and let the earth hear his voice. Fight the good fight of faith and finish strong as we take his kingdom and advance it to the next level. Amen? How many of you believe that's what we should be doing? But it's going to be a fight. There's a battle. There's a scrap on. In a couple of, uh, six weeks' time, the greatest heavyweight match is going to take place. Manny Pacquiao versus Floyd Mayweather. It's going to be the fight of all fights. Millions will watch it. See these two guys, pound for pound, knock the seven sorts out of each other. And they call it entertainment. For those who love boxing, they'll tune in. But there's a greater fight. Every day, staying in your territory, guarding your territory, advancing your territory. There's a greater fight. It's been, this fight's been on for a long time. And it's not finished yet. I don't know what round we're in. Imagine the Holy Ghost walking around, can't you, and the bell's ringing like that. And everyone's whistling at him. I don't know what round we're in. But I know we need to stay in the fight. We need to stay in the fight. I know we've got a good trainer in our corner. Yeah, we've got a good, he's about to pull his sponge out and he's about to shove it in your face, right? And he's about to give you a drink, a fresh drink. Refreshing's on its way, right? And then he's going to, for some of you, he's going to wash you and clear, cleanse the blood. Some of you have been bruised, but you've been fighting the wrong battle, that's why. Now he's going to wash, take his sponge, shove it in your face. You open your mouth, he's going to squirt the water in it, take a drink. Why? Because this is what the church missed in the last refreshing. It thought it could stay in the corner all day. Whoa, son, there's still a fight. The bell's going to ring in a minute and it's going to expect you in the middle. Get back in the game. Oh, let me just stay here, soaking, soaking. It's no soaking, it's a fight. So God is in the corner with his sponge, ready to shove it in our face, give us a drink, wash us down to get us back. Because the, the, the challenge is, if you don't keep roaring, others can't hear your voice. People might not be able to see you, but they must hear the lion's voice speaking you. You know, in this day and age, technology can do that. A book can speak. A letter can speak. Why not write a letter to someone? Amen? Why not write a letter to someone? Why not send an audio message to someone? There's many, many ways we can get the, the, you know, the, the, the roar of the lion out of our hearts to somebody else. Go on a radio station. What's the worst thing they can do? Shut us down. Turn us off. There's loads of ways. Get on some of these, these uh, debate forums. Get, them out, get it out there. Find every way. Let the lion roar. And at some time, open your mouth if you have to. But you've got to do it. Why? Because this kingdom 
will not resist, will not suffer fools lightly. This church can no longer stay the same. A good church is the church you feel the most uncomfortable in. Why is it uncomfortable? Because it's the one where the Holy Ghost is always speaking, moving us to the next level. Yeah? If we're comfortable, comfortable is nice for a week or so. But then comfortable can turn into dead. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. If we will, please. We saw in Daniel, a lot many other scriptures in Daniel that we could have read, we didn't read. We see the intensity of this battle in the book of Daniel. You can see why when Daniel talked to the king about making the dream known, it sounds romantic. But this was all about what was going to happen in the world. It was way beyond the king. This wasn't just about the king. This was about kingdoms. I'll show you that next week. The kingdoms that Daniel saw in the dream, in the, what the king saw, Daniel had to make known to him the king's dream. And in the king's dream were kingdoms. Kingdoms that would rise and fall. Kingdoms that would rise. But there would be a kingdom that would sit on all of them. And overtake all these kingdoms. My friends, you are part of that kingdom. You are part of that kingdom. This is why it sounds glorious to speak about the battle when we're sat in safety. It's not glorious in one sense. It's hard. It's hard. But I just don't want God to walk through this church and find us immobilized. I want him to find this house here a finishing house where we're sharpening our swords, we're, going to, we're preparing for the battle, we're looking to go out Wednesday, uh, Thursday night. I really felt that as I was prophesying at the end. The Holy Spirit caught me. And that whole thing about going back to Africa, I tell you, I really felt that was, that was, that was God. He's setting us up. He's setting you guys up. Some of you have got to go back to Africa and establish the work over there. Change the nation. You came over here to, for whatever reason, fine, wonderful, no problem. But now you're here, God's going to cleanse you, get the contaminations of the gospel that we picked up around the world, cleansing us to, to be fired back into that nation to establish what God's going to do. Africa, the, Africa the, the, the continent of Africa needs to be won. But it's not going to be won by a lot of the contaminated gospel that's already out there. It takes a different gospel, a clean gospel. Amen? Amen. So I really sense that was one of the arrows that God just went, bing. I didn't expect that. But I would, something in on, on Thursday night said, we finished teaching. It's like the people want to go home. Don't. Declare. Step into that realm. Now the grace is there. I'm about to fire an arrow. Boom. Now I see it. I'm going to move some of our African people towards that. Start praying in the spirit. I'm not going to tell you to go back home. I'm not telling you that. God's got to say it. What I'm saying is, get your ear to heaven because it might be you. Some of, and I'm not just saying some of our, as to the Africans, some of you indigenous Brits, it's time some of you might be going to Africa. Amen? But I just know that's where we're going. That's where we're going. That's only one nation. Then this week, God begins to speak to me. He said, I've shown you a picture when you were in the School of Prophets in 2000 of uh, South America. I said, Lord, why have I never, ever been able to step into South America? Ha-ha, son. That was 50, was it? 2015 years ago. I said, how come I just saw, I knew it was South Africa, uh, South America. I saw the map clear. I remember getting on that floor. That was the night when the, music, uh, the worship was going on. We could hear the worship and there wasn't a musician playing. And we could hear the music was still full on, but there was no musicians playing. We were in the upper room. And I saw, God showed me the picture, uh, the, the map of South America. But I've never been able to step into that country. Until, until, now it's coming. Why? You're the resources. So it's me in South Africa, uh, South America. I've got to learn Spanish. I don't know, learn whatever you've got to learn. Amen? So Father, you have an impregnable kingdom. 
You have an unstoppable kingdom. Father, the moment you declared thy kingdom come, it was a statement of war. Your kingdom is coming to declare war on the, on the kingdom of darkness and all its works. But Father, we thank you, O oh God, that you triumphed on the cross over all the works of the enemy. Father, we work from a place of victory. We don't work from a place of loss. We don't work from a place of trying to get victory. Oh God, you've already won the victory. Father, we're enforcers of the victory. The enemy knows it can never win. It can only maim. It can only hurt. It can only kill, steal and destroy. But it can never win. So Father, we stand from that place. That conviction, oh God. Father, we need you to do a work in our lives. We're not ready. But, oh God, get us ready. Get us ready, oh God, so we can be deployed into the nations of the world. Get us ready, Holy Spirit. Get us ready for the battle. Get us ready, oh God, whatever you have to do. Father, whether you have to bring refreshing, whether you have to bring cleansing, whether you have to bring forming, whether you have to bring (coughs) advancement, oh God, do it into our lives. Lord, defy age. Defy sex. Defy culture. Lord, Break it open. Smash it, oh God. Break the idols in our midst. Break the idols within us. I notice we're not praying now. In Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he saw the idol, the statue. In every one of our lives, we build idols. God is going to smash those idols. Why? Because they're an obstruction to the kingdom within you. Make Christ known. And Christ will make himself known into our lives. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Lord bless you.